everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's good to see you. I tell you, I really appreciate that story uh, that Ken is telling. Uh, it, it's amazing where, where God has, has brought us over the years. And, and one of the things I was just thinking about is, is how, uh, how many stories there are in this place. You know, we talked about last week how Cross Point Church is a story in and of itself of God doing incredible things in the lives of so many people. And then we hear this story, and last week we heard a story, and I hope that throughout this series and, and really for years to come, we continue to just hear the amazing stories of how God just did incredible things in, in people's life. The thing I love about Ken's story is, is how uh, when he first became exposed to Crosspoint and, and what God was doing here, he, he looked at, uh, at, at, the, at what was happening here and he, he sort of processed it from a, a business aspect. But then as he began to see God move, his faith began to grow, and he began to see that, that you know, God is really up to something amazing. And, and that's what I love about, uh, about what this place represents is, is a, a mighty movement of God. And so uh, I'm just so thankful to be a part of, uh, of, the, of the stories, and, and uh, can't wait to hear your story as well uh, as we continue to, to march through this series and continue to just see where God takes us. You know, today, if you're just joining us, we're in our third week of the vertical series, and, and I want to explain a little bit about what that is in case you've missed the last couple of weeks. But, uh, but the vertical series is a series where we are um, identifying as a spiritual initiative, an initiative to, to raise capital, to build a new facility, but it's much greater than that because the reality is what we know is that this initiative will also be what we would call a spiritual initiative. Because you see, our desire is not that we would simply raise the capital to where we could build a new facility, but that we would continue to see God stretch our faith and, and grow us as a, as a body of believers, trusting God, having more faith in God, believing more in God, and ultimately God would do something in us that he could also do something through us as we go out onto the streets and we continue to reach our community for Christ. And so that's our heart's desire is that that what is taking place over the next couple of weeks as a, as a sermon series will be really preparation for building up generations of disciples to come. Amen? We want to reach more people with Jesus. I tell you, it's so wonderful to see people being baptized, a believer's uh, baptism, where they confess before their faith family that, that, that God has saved them, that God is doing something remarkable in their life, and that they want to be baptized in obedience to His command uh, a believer's baptism is so good to, to see. And uh, at the end of the service, Gabe's going to come up here and just share a, a little testimony. I won't steal his thunder, but just incredible the stories that exist in the life of this church. And so uh, this series is about a spiritual initiative. It's about what God is going to do uh, in us through our giving to this uh, initiative. Uh, next week is a big week for us. It's a huge week. In fact, uh, it's a week where we uh, hopefully we've been praying through uh, what, what uh, God is leading us to do is to, to come in and bring our go offering. We have set a goal of $400,000 uh, and we have also set a goal to, of $2 million through a three-year pledge drive. And so that's the goals that we're setting and that through uh, our, our budget, our normal budget giving, we will be able to, to build this new facility that we're going to be doing and, uh, and so next week is a big week for us. It's, it's a time where we make a huge commitment, and it's hopefully a commitment that we make with a tremendous amount of faith. And that's what we're going to be really talking about here today. I want to tell you about one more date before I pray and we dive into God's Word here, though. And, and that is a, a date that you need to remember on October the 18th. That's just about three weeks away from now. It's not very far. We're going to celebrate what takes place next Sunday as far as our go offering, we'll celebrate that together as a church. We'll participate in the Lord's Supper and things like that. We'll just have a, a time of celebration. But that afternoon at 5 o'clock, we're also going to have a groundbreaking service. And so uh, we're, we're getting ready to go with this thing. And it's so exciting to just see what God's doing. And we'll be sharing more of that as, as all the pieces come together and we begin to celebrate this, this thing together. So it's exciting times for the life of our church as we continue to focus on building up generations of disciples. Amen? How many of you are thankful for Jesus in your life this morning? Anybody? Amen. It's 
Good to see you here today. Let's pray and then we'll dive into God's word because he has a tremendous message for us here today on faith. And so let's, let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your presence in our life and we're thankful, God, for the reality that, Lord, you continue to amaze us. God, you continue to stretch us. You continue to challenge us. You continue to lead us and guide us. And, and Father, we recognize that this place that we call Cross Point Church, this place that is our faith family and our home, Father, we recognize this as a place that is filled with testimonies of, God, how you change lives. And through the changing of lives, God, you have grown us and you continue to, to, to uh, mature us, God, in such a way that our faith increases and our knowledge of you increases and our heart longs for you more and more each and every day. Father, I pray that today as we dive into your word and we talk about an, impo- an important element of our Christianity, God, as we talk about faith and what that really means, Father, I pray that you would uh, help us to set aside every distraction in our life, that God, in these few moments that we have together, that Father, you would speak deeply into our hearts and that you would stir our very souls, and God, that our hearts would be inclined toward you. Because, God, we desire to, to know you more. We desire to, to uh, walk with you more. God, we desire to live by faith, God, in such a way that it would be pleasing to you. We love you so much, and we pray, God, for this time together now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we've talked about vertical being a, a very large spiritual initiative. In fact, it's the, it's the largest initiative that we've ever Uh, embarked upon together as a church. You know, God's people coming together and and, and recognizing, okay, this is where God's taking us, and and then coming together and staying together and working together and moving together and being led together. It's just really remarkable to, to see, but it's in the bigness of it all that really makes it a spiritual initiative. I mean, think about this for just a moment. If we, if we got up here on Sunday mornings and we set really you know, man-sized goals for our ministry and for our lives, then, then we might run the risk of being able to think that we accomplished those things, wouldn't we? But the reality is when God gives us big vision, and, and that's what I love about, about this, this work and, and, and what God's doing in this place, is that he is continuing to always just give us big vision to accomplish much for his kingdom and for his glory. And as he sets that vision in place for us, for us as people of God, it, it can be a bit frightening. We can look at that and go, man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is big. But the reality is the bigness of it all is what helps establish it as a spiritual initiative because it's in its bigness and the reality that we can't accomplish this on our own that causes us to be very dependent upon God and to lean upon God and to recognize that if anything takes place, then God gets the glory. That's what makes it such a spiritual initiative. And I love that, that the reality that in the end of all this, as we cross any finish line in all of this, that as we do that, we can only say as the people of God, to God be the glory. God's the one that did this. God's the one that, that managed this. God's the one that cast the vision. It scared us to death. We move forward. But God did all of this. And that's what I, I love about the bigness of this. And so Uh, You know, I I was thinking about this and and thinking about the reality. It's going to take a huge step of faith on God's people, though. It always does. That doesn't really change. You know, anytime God lays big vision, he requires his people to take a huge step of faith. And and what we're going to be looking at today that is so encouraging to me is the reality that all through the scriptures, everywhere we look in the scriptures, we see people of God who have faith in God and believe in God, and trust in God, and they take steps of faith that are much bigger than themselves. And I love that. We're going to be looking at some of these passages all through the scripture here this morning. Uh, We're we're going to be diving into our regular passage here in just a moment in Joshua, but, but we see these people of God. We see people like Abraham, who is a great man of faith, And as we read the story of Abraham, as we study his life in the Old Testament, we see that he was a a man who was willing to follow God by faith. The scriptures tell us in, in Hebrews that by faith he was willing to follow God 
He was willing to go where God was leading, not even knowing where he was going. We also see that Abraham was a man who, who was willing to sacrifice his own son. We're going to read about that in just a moment. He was willing to sacrifice because he saw it as what God wanted him to do. He knew it was what God had called him to do. He didn't understand it. None of us would like it. But by faith, God was will- I mean, Abraham was willing, and he moved forward with great obedience. We see people like Gideon. You ever studied Gideon? Gideon recognized himself as very insignificant in life. He, he would say to the angel of the Lord who came to visit him one day, I am the least of all of them. He says, my family is the least of all the tribes, and I'm the least of the, my family. He, in other words, he was the runt of the family, okay? He was a, he was a nobody in his own eyes. And, and yet the, the angel of the Lord would look to Gideon and say, no, you are a mighty warrior, I love that story of Gideon, but here's what you may not know. You see, as Gideon was called to be a a great military man, despite his insignificance, he built an army so that he could go and fight God's battles. But what happened was God came to him and challenged him to reduce his army down to 300, to fight thousands. And in faith, Gideon reduced his army, and I love this, so that when three people go out, and win battles against thousands to God be the glory. Amen? And so it's amazing to see these people of faith in the Bible. These stories are very challenging to me. We see people like Esther, who was a queen to a Persian king, who was willing to go and reveal that she was a Jew, even if it meant that she might face death. There are great stories of faith in Scripture. I want to start off, and and we're going to get to our text in just a moment, but I want to start off this morning by reading a portion of Hebrews chapter 11 to you this morning, just a portion of it. It'll probably seem like the whole chapter, but I, I, I tell you, Hebrews chapter 11 is so profound to me because it's just one account after another of great people of faith. And then at the end of the chapter, it tells us what their faith accomplished. And I, I just want to read this to you uh, for a moment. In Hebrews chapter 11, it reveals these people of faith. And it says this, I'll start with verse four. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. By faith, Noah, being warned of God by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to out to a place that he was, yet, he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise was in, an, in the act of offering up his only son. I wish I could just have time to read all of these to you. It'd probably be boring if I just read it to you. But it, I want you to understand that in this chapter, we see people after people after people who the word of God testifies were great people of faith. And here's what I love about this. As we read through this chapter and we see all these people who live their life by faith, we ultimately come to the end of this passage, which reveals to us what this faith that they had in God actually accomplished. In in, in verse 30, I think it's 33 here, it says, uh, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. My friends, this is what faith does. This is what faith is. It's trusting God when what we have to do doesn't make any sense. It's believing in God when he has called us to go forward when it may be a bit scary. You know, the reality is this, is that that we know that we are saved by faith. In fact, the scriptures would teach us that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And so when it comes to faith, most of us as Christians, as believers, we would recognize the reality that faith is a part of who we are. 
we would recognize that we live by faith. In other words, who we believe or what we believe about Jesus Christ is, is we believe by faith. And so faith is definitely one of the foundational elements of our salvation, of our very salvation. But the reality is there are many Christians all over the world, there are many believers who are saved by grace through faith, but yet aren't living their life by faith. And I think there's a huge difference in being saved by faith and living by faith. Because over and over and over, all throughout, all over the land, we see Christians who recall in fear so often when God has called them to step forward. We see Christians who worry, who are, who are overcome by, by worry and anxiety rather than trust and, and courage. We see this in our life every single day. And I'll just be transparent with you. It's a struggle for all of us, including myself. There are things that God is going to call us to move forward on that oftentimes are frightening or yet we don't have the answers for. And yet God has called us, he has laid this on our heart, and he has challenged us to, to be obedient to what it is that he has laid on our hearts. And all over this country, we see believers who back down from the calling that God has placed on their life. What we see in Hebrews chapter 11 are people who don't back down from that, who live their life by faith. And what we see as a result of that are great things being accomplished for his kingdom and for his glory. This is remarkable to me, and I love this. I love the text that we're going to be looking at here. The, the message is titled, Grasping What We Must Do. Grasping What We Must Do. Now, here's the thing. I, I know it's, it would, the tendency would be to go and, and, and hit on the reality that we need to raise a large sum of money, but that's not what this message is about. This message is about trusting God. This message is about trusting God with, with not just our finances, but with our life. Knowing that in faith, when we respond in faith, when we live our life by faith, that God is going to do something remarkable in our hearts. He's going to transform who we are, that we live with more peace, that we live with more certainty, we live with more hope, we live with more happiness, we live knowing that God has us in the palm of his hands, that we are secure in him, and that he loves us deeply and cares for us, and that he is watching over us and he is going to meet the needs that we have. As believers in Christ Jesus, we really have nothing to worry about. That's easier said than done, though, right? I mean, don't we all here today desire to live by faith, to know who God is, and to grab hold of the reality that, that we can live by faith? My prayer this morning is that we walk out of here knowing and believing that God is sufficient, knowing and believing that God is enough. We sang about it earlier. But I wonder if that's really the desires of our heart. I wonder if that's really what lies within us as, as believers in Christ Jesus, that we, that we have what it takes to live by faith. Or can God's word possibly challenge us to acknowledge who we are and to pray at the end of the service and continuously every day of our life, pray that God would increase our faith. My hope is that by faith we would overcome the obstacles that we face. I know the realities that exist in our life today. I know that there are many of you that are sitting here today that are probably going through some of the most difficult circumstances in your life, or you're aware of some things that are coming down the, down the pike and, you, and, you, and you're a bit worried about those things. There are some of you who are looking for jobs. There are some of you who are hungry today. There are some of us here that are struggling. There are some of us who are dealing with difficulties. There are some of us here today that are mourning and the reality is I hope and I pray and I, my hope is that through faith we can overcome these circumstances in our life. And I, I long for this reality as well that, that in the end we can come together as a faith family and continue to accomplish much for the kingdom of God. Why? Because of faith. Because we have chosen to be people who not only are saved by grace through faith, but live by faith every single day of our life, not only as individuals, but collectively as a body. So that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I'm longing for. And I pray that you are as well. This morning, let's look at this passage, grasping what we must do. Joshua chapter three, 
Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Joshua chapter 3 is, I'm skipping a little bit here as we, as we march through Joshua. Uh, I'm not going to be able to preach through the entire book of Joshua in this series. But in this passage, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. Verses 11 through 16 of Joshua 3. And, and what's amazing, we already know that has taken place is that Joshua has, has been called by God to arise. He's been called by God to arise and carry God's people across the Jordan River and into the land in which he has promised. And we've read about that. We've studied that together through this series. But as we look at this, we also realize that, that Joshua is just moments away from carrying the people around. And this text that we're going to look at here today uh, a few things has happened before this text. One of the things that's happened is that Joshua sent out some spies. You remember when Moses sent out a group of spies? He sent out uh, 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 men to go into the land and to, to, to do some recon work, and they all came back, and we remember that there were only two of them that had the faith to go. Joshua was one of those. Well, now Joshua has sent spies as well. He's only sent two this time, and he sent them specifically to Jericho to check things out because he knew that would really be their first stop after they crossed the Jordan River. So he sends them out. They go into Jericho, and it's there that they are are discovered, so to speak, and people begin to look for them. And we see the story, the amazing story, of a woman named Rahab who hides the spies. She protects the spies. And we even come to realize in Hebrews chapter 11 that Rahab was acting in faith as well. By faith, she protected the spies. And so we see this story unfold. The spies come back, they give their report to Joshua, and now it's time for Joshua to lead God's people into the land in which he's promised. Now today, this story, this text, is absolutely one of the most incredible texts or passages of Scripture that we could study together concerning faith. This is one of my all-time favorites, and I know I say that about every single message that I preach, okay? I, I get into it, and I get ready to preach it, and it becomes my favorite, but this really is one of those passages of Scripture that is absolutely so profound to me, and, and I hope that you'll see this as we read through it together. But here's what happens. Joshua summons the leadership. He says, come over here. I want to tell you something. And what he tells them is really remarkable. He calls them over. He says, come over here and listen. And when they come near and that he's got their attention, he tells them this. He says, what am I about to tell you? The things that I'm about to tell you are going to be the things that reveal that God is in this. He says, I'm going to tell you something, and it's what I'm telling you that is going to reveal that God is with us, that God is among us, that God is, is, is in this thing. Now, I don't know about you, but when someone tells me something like that, I, I want to know what those things are, don't you? I, I want to say, okay, well, how is God going to reveal himself? How is it that we're going to see the m- most awesome, powerful God revealed? What is it about what's about to happen that is so special about this moment? And this is what we're about to read about in verse 11. I love how it starts off. It says, behold. You know, I just think of, uh, of just thunder when I see that word, don't you? Behold. It's like, you know, it's some old man with white hair should be saying that, right? I'm almost there, not yet. But, uh, but anyway, he starts off in verse 11, and he says this. He says, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you, into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each a tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan and the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark 
were dipped into the brink of the water. Now the Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout this time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Jerethon, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite of Jericho. Now, I want you to see what's happening here, because this is really, really powerful, really profound what this story that we have just read here Joshua has summoned the people over he said this is how we're going to know that God is with us listen to this this is how we're going to know this is how we're going to know that God is with us we are going to walk toward the Jordan River which happens to be in its flood stages okay it's moving faster than it normally does. It's deeper than it normally is. It's got some white caps in it this time. I mean, it's not the same river it always is. It's flooding. And he says, we're going we're gonna to walk into that Jordan River. We're going to take the ark, and as the priest march forward, leading the way, as the people of God line up to cross this Jordan River, as the priests walk, as they step into the water, God is going to stop the flow of this river. Have you recognized how profoundly different this is from the parting of the Red Sea? Have you ever thought about that? You remember God's people during the Exodus, they're, they're brought to the, to the Red Sea. They're, 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 they're delivered from the bondage of Pharaoh. They're running from Pharaoh now. The, the Egyptian army is after them. They come to the Red Sea, and as they approach the Red Sea, it is there that God parts the Red Sea so that they can now pass. But this story is different. You see, this story, they step into that river before God stops it. What a tremendous story of faith. What a tremendous story of obedience where the people of God have to take a huge step of faith before God will act. What is the risk here? The risk is drowning, losing your life. The risk is not making it. The risk is... It is disaster as people step into a river that's flowing very rapidly and are swept away. The risk is disastrous unless you have the faith that God is demanding, unless you have the, the faith to be obedient to what God is calling you to do, unless you have the faith that says, I don't know how this is going to work out, but what I am going to do is I'm going to move forward and I'm going to step into the Jordan River, and as I step into the Jordan River, I'm going to trust that God is going to do his thing that we may cross this Jordan River into the promised land. And for me, that's what makes it so profound. It's so incredible of a story because you see here that, that the people of God are following God when it just doesn't make sense. That's what faith is. It's the assurance of things hoped for and the certainty of things unseen. We, we can't begin to see everything that God would, would every, every way that God is going to work out the details in our life. And this morning as we sit here and we think about our lives personally and we think about the struggles and the challenges and the trials that we face just individually or as a family, many times we, we don't see how this is going to work out. Many times we don't understand how God is going to deliver us from the trials and the suffering even at times that we face. But as the children of God, we must come to a place where we just absolutely believe that he is. He will. He is going to deliver us because we believe that, we trust that, we know. And if we, don't, if we are not delivered in the way that we thought we might be delivered, the reality is he still has a plan for us. We must trust him despite what we think are the dangers of moving forward. And so here we see this being played out by the people of God. You know, I was looking at this and, and, and I was thinking just as, as a, as a pastor in this church, what is it that Joshua said to the people that was so inspiring to, him, to them to become people of faith? 
The kind of faith that moves mountains. I can't even get the ant beds out of my yard, much less move a mountain. Have you ever noticed that you kill an ant bed? They just, that stuff doesn't kill them. It just causes them to move. You know, it's like Mayflower or something that you're spraying. I don't know. You just, anyway, I'm chasing a rabbit there. But, but I, I want the kind of faith that moves mountains, don't you? I mean, we read about it in God's word. We see, we see the miracles of God's working in the lives of so many people throughout Scripture. People, great people who had, or, or people just like you and I who had great faith. And I just wonder what it might be like to, to be the, the kind of people that, that, that say, God, we just trust you. We're going we're gonna to do this thing. We're gonna, you know, this, this, everything that we have done as a church thus far, many of the things that we have done thus far have been huge steps of faith. And I don't see where God's going to cha- change that for us. He's going to continue to call us to do things that may cause fear in our life, but somehow we have to have the courage to move forward in faith. And that's what I see here in this passage. There were really two things that I saw here that Joshua pressed upon the people of God. And I want to point these out in the, the last few moments that we have together here. But there's just, really just a few things. The first thing that Joshua pressed upon the people, it, it, I, I sort of present to you in the form of a question. He didn't ask them this question, but this is basically what he was presenting to them, that he pressed upon them. He says, do you understand what God is calling us to do? Do you really understand? I mean, if we don't really have a grasp of what God is calling us to do, then when we do that thing, it, we, we run the risk of maybe not giving God the glory. Amen? We, we don't want to do that. We want to we praise God for the great things he's, he's set before us and, and that we had the faith to, to, to respond to. And here he says, do you understand what God is calling you to do? He says, come here and listen. I want to show you something. I want to tell you how God is going to reveal to us that he is among us. This is how it's going to go down. You know, I look at this, and it's almost as if Joshua is saying, guys, this isn't child's play here. This isn't, this isn't a game. This, this isn't even religion. This is, this is real faith that God is calling us to. This is a real response of obedience that God is calling us to. This is where the rubber meets the road. And so Joshua is, is calling, this, this is God's people calling his people to trust him with their lives and with their future. I love what Corey Tinboom once wrote. She says, she says, never be afraid to trust the un, an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to, to trust an unknown future to a known God. And what she meant by that was, was this. Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, who, who do you know Jesus is? Do you, notice, do you know Jesus is, is all-powerful, as the creator of the heavens and the earth? And so if this is what we know about Jesus, then why would we be concerned with our future? If we know God, there's no reason to be concerned about our future. There's no reason to fear the unknown. There's no reason to doubt that God is in control. And I love these words. Two promises in God's word that I always lean upon when I'm facing things concerning my future. And I I know that you're very familiar with these verses as well. The first one is Jeremiah 29, 11. Most of us know this passage, but it says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I love that. How many of you are thankful that the Lord God knows the plans that he has for you? Amen. Isn't Isn't that comforting? That the Lord God would tell to Jeremiah, and and that promise would be true for us as well, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to, to, not for evil, but to prosper you. uh, I know the plans I have for you concerning your future. That to me, there's really nothing more comforting than these words from God's word here this morning. Knowing when when I'm focused on the future, when I'm looking ahead, when I'm thinking about the things that God has in store for me as an individual or my immediate family or this faith family, there's nothing more comforting than knowing that God is sovereign and that God is in control and that he is concerned with our future. The other verse is Philippians 4, 19, which says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I love that. 
Philippians 4.19, when my God will supply, will supply all that you need. This is a promise that has held true in my life time after time after time. Can I just tell you that this past weekend, I was a bit stressed. I was a bit nervous about some situations that were unfolding in our family's life. And, and, and so as we prayed, as we all went to the Lord, you know, it was just amazing how God just works things out, isn't it? And many of you have had those same moments in your life where, where tomorrow or the next week or the next month is just filled with uncertainty and you just wonder, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to make it? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to press on after this? And yet God continues to meet us where we're at. And God continues to take care of us and he cares about our future and it's through those moments that it stretches us and it builds our faith. And we are able as believers in Christ Jesus to say even strongly, more strongly, I trust him. I believe in him. He is enough. He is sufficient. And so Joshua presses upon him. He says, do you understand what God's calling you to do? The second thing he does here is this. He says, do you know what real faithfulness looks like? He says, you want to know what real faithfulness looks like? He says, come here. I want to I show you this. He says, he says, this is what faithfulness looks like. What God is calling us to do, people, is to go across the Jordan River. This is what he's telling them. And he says, we're going to go. We're going we're gonna to pick up that ark, and we're going to go. And, and what God has revealed to me is that until we step into the water, I mean, we're on a need-to-know basis here, right? I mean, that's what, that's what he's telling them. He's saying, listen, only when we step into the water is God going to do his thing. God wants us to react in faith before he will respond in the most amazing way that he is so capable of responding. And so it's a call to faith. It's a call to obedience. It's, it's a challenge, if you will, for the people of God to live by faith. And so he's basically saying, this is what real faithfulness looks like. This is what God is going to do that's going to radically be different than most everything else that we have to do as children of God. God is going to really show up in this way. I remember in, in vivid detail when God called me into ministry. Most anybody who's serving full-time ministry or in, in, in some capacity as a missionary or a church planner, a pastor, probably remembers that day when God called him into ministry. I want to just, in the last few moments, share with you just a personal story of mine about how God spoke in my life and the challenges that he placed before me. I remember I was on a mission trip down in the West Indies at a little island called St. Kitts. And we were down there in the Caribbean. And, and, and let me just tell you, before I went on this trip, God was doing incredible things in my life. There had been, there had been some great struggles in my life, in mine, in Linnell's life. And, 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 and my past was filled with struggles. And somewhere in all of this, I had found myself really lacking peace, but knowing that God was the answer. And so one day this man, he asked me, he said, Dave, will you go with us to this island? A hurricane has swept through. The island is devastated. We could use all the hands we could get. And so I agreed to go on this island not knowing how God was going to impact my life. So I go to this island, and we're working for a few days. And, and, and we were broke up into teams. And I was given to this team at this, this household. That were, their house was almost just destroyed as the roof had just been lifted off this house. And when I say house, I'm not talking about what you and I live in. I'm talking about a home that's about roughly this big, a family of four. And we met this couple. The couple, I'll never forget them as long as I live. It was Jennifer and Leroy Brown. I never thought I'd meet a Leroy Brown. I said, you know, they wrote a song about you, Leroy Brown. It's not too good, okay? It's called Bad, Bad Leroy Brown. But, but the reality is, the reality was Jennifer and Leroy Brown were just incredible people. 
I remember going down there, and I wasn't a rich man. I was a self-employed guy. I had a business. I was, I was doing pretty well for myself at this age. But I wasn't a rich guy, but I had a lot of possessions back home. And I remember going to this island and, and meeting this couple who had lost their home, and they had nothing to begin with. Their electricity was an extension cord coming down from a light pole through a window, and their refrigerator was an old igloo cooler that they had gotten from another mission team before. They had nothing. I'd never seen a real-life outhouse till I met this family. They didn't even have running water in their home. They had nothing, and yet, can I tell you, they were the most content people I'd ever met in my life. I was blown away. Here I was, a man who lacked peace. Here I was, it was a man who lacked joy, who felt empty, who felt like he had no purpose in life. And here this couple was who had absolutely nothing, and they were the happiest people on earth. I asked him one day, I said, I said what is wrong with y'all? How can y'all live your life in such a way that, that you're so happy about having so little. I didn't say that in those words, but that's, the, that's basically what I was getting around to. And I'll never forget what Jennifer, she said to me. She said, well, well, David, we just love Jesus. She was the first person that ever said these words to me. Jesus is enough. Wasn't a theologian. It wasn't a great pastor here in the States. It was a lady who had nothing and yet was filled with contentment and peace. And she looked at me and she said, Jesus is enough. I can't tell you how that profoundly impacted my life. I, I remember a few days later, we were almost headed home. And I got up earlier than the rest of the team one morning. And I went outside. We were staying in an old abandoned church, camping out in this old abandoned church. And I came out and I sat down on the steps of this church. And I remember looking out at the ocean. The ocean wasn't even as far as from here to our parking lot. Uh, we were down in the Caribbean and it was just absolutely beautiful. And the sun was coming up. And I, I remember walking out and I sat down on the steps of this church. And I opened my Bible and I laid it in my lap. And, and as I always do, I began to pray and ask God to just speak into my life. And before I read scripture, and I remember praying. And I remember thinking, man, this is going to be good. It's such a beautiful place. It was quiet. It was still the water just met the sun and the horizon. It was just awesome. And I remember just praying and praying and praying and seeking God. And the, the, the greatest desire on my heart was this. God, just tell me what you want me to do. God, I want a contentment like that. I want peace like that. I want to live in, in such a way that I have what they have. I want, to, I want to just know, God, what do you want me to do? And I remember praying and crying out to God, God, what do you want me to do? And finally, I got to that place where I said, well, God, I've talked enough. Now it's your turn. And I just hushed for a moment. And I listened and I waited, and I really did think in this moment that the clouds were going to separate, and this loud, thunderous voice was going to say, well, Dave, I'm glad you asked. And it was just still quiet. And I remember thinking, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. I looked down at the Bible and I'd opened it up to Matthew chapter 19 and I remember just looking down and I began to read the scripture and it said there was a rich young ruler who came up to Jesus and he asked Jesus, he says, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And, and Jesus says, well, you know what to do. And he goes, yeah, well, I know, you know, keep the commandments. And Jesus said, yeah, keep the commandments. And he goes, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I've done that all my life. I've listened, that hasn't worked for me. And then Jesus says, well, then do this. Sell everything you got and give it to the poor. And then just, this is what Jesus says to him. Come, follow me. You know what it says was the response of the rich young ruler? It says that he walked away from Jesus in despair because he had too many possessions. In other words, what Jesus was asking of him, he saw as just asking too much. And I remember sitting there and realizing that God was speaking to me. 
I remember looking at that story and the tears hitting the pages of my Bible. We didn't have iPads back then. And it was just, it was just tears were just soaking the pages of my Bible. I was weeping out of control as I just read this story because here's what I came to understand. When I read that the rich young ruler walked away in despair, I realized that's where I had been living my life. I knew what despair was. I knew what discouragement was. I knew what depression was. I knew what it it meant to live a life of emptiness. I knew what it meant to live a life where there was no contentment or fulfillment. I knew what it meant to live my life when Jesus wasn't my everything. And I was already in despair. I remember thinking, I don't want to be the rich young ruler. I don't want to walk away in despair because I know what that feels like and it's no good. And I remember crying out to God all over again, thanking him for speaking into my life. And I remember saying right there on those steps, I've got to go home and I've got to get rid of everything I own because it stands in the way of me and Jesus. And I've got to go home and I've got to make some radical changes in my life. I've got to do this. And I remember thinking, my wife is going to kill me. I go home and I remember sitting down with her and I said, you got to listen to what I believe God is speaking into my life. And I began to share with her everything I shared with you now. And I remember just telling her the story and saying, I I don't know what this means. I don't know what this this is, but I know that I'm not supposed to be in business for myself. I know that God is calling me to walk away from this and come follow him. And this is what a good wife will tell you. She looked at me. And I had no idea what she was going to say that day. And she looked at me and she said, it's about time. I said, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about getting rid of it all. I'm talking about walking away and pursuing God wherever he leads. And she says, it's about time. Let's do it. Now, I don't want you to think that I'm just some great man of faith. Because that's not what I'm trying to say here or communicate today. Because I struggle with this every day. Just like so many of us struggle with it every day, living by faith. But what I believe that the Word of God is teaching us here this morning is that God gives us so many opportunities over and over and over to live by faith. And what we see in the Scriptures is the people of God who in this moment of their life, and they weren't perfect either. There were times in their life when they weren't living by faith, but this was a moment in their life when they were willing to step into the river. Because God said go. And there was a time in their life, in this moment of their life, when they were willing to step in that river, not knowing the outcome of that huge step of faith, but trusting and believing that God was sovereign. And that God was going to work it out, whatever it meant for them. Great people of faith. Let me share this one verse with you, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, because I think this one is one we have to look at. It says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek after him. The word this morning for each and every one of us is the same word that Jesus gave to the rich young ruler. Come, follow me. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. This morning, as we close up with a word of prayer and then the band will come and sing, I just want to challenge each and every one of us this morning that we would be people of prayer. That we would sincerely ask God, God, what does, what does obedience look like for me? I'm not saying that obedience that was requested of a rich young ruler is the same obedience, step of obedience for you. I'm not saying that. But I do believe that each and every one of us should be at a place in our life where we sincerely and honestly ask God, God, what does obedience look like for me? 
And my prayer is, is that this morning you will pray. And you will ask God to increase your faith to where today, as a believer in Christ Jesus, you wouldn't just merely be someone who is saved by grace through faith, but someone who, as a child of God, is living by faith. Because it matters. It matters. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and our band will come. Maybe this morning you have recognized that really there's a part of your life that you're not even sure if you've been saved by grace. And our pastors will be now front. They're here to answer any questions. You can meet us in the connection room following the services. This door to my left, your right. Let us today as a church... As people who already hold the banner high that we are believers in Christ Jesus, let us as the people of God ask God to increase our faith to where no matter what comes our way, we can say, God is enough. God is enough. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for all that you are. Lord, we love you and we just absolutely adore you. Lord, as we look into your word, we see stories all over of people. People like Gideon. God, people like Gideon who were so insecure in who they were. People like Gideon who thought they were insignificant. People like David who thought of himself as no more than just a, a man who would deliver cheese and bread to the, to the troops on the front line. God, all through Scripture, we see people who were really insignificant in so many ways except for one thing, that, God, you saw something in them that they didn't see in themselves. And Father, this morning I pray that as a church filled with individuals who are going through so many different things in our life, God, that each and every one of us here today, that our prayer would be, God, grow our faith. God, help us to see that, God, we are a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. That, God, what you see in us is most likely more than we see in ourselves. And, God, let us be people of prayer who pray and ask you to meet us where we are, to increase our faith, to stretch us beyond what we think we're capable of being stretched, that, God, we may be stronger in the midst of our weakness, that Jesus would be more real, God, we love you. And we thank you for opportunities where the rubber meets the road for us to prove that we are people of faith. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for all that you are in Jesus' name.